Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is qualifying day at the 2023 Japanese Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts, and on today's episode, Max Verstappen takes pole, and by some margin, smashing the field by almost six-tenths of a second, ahead of first-time Grand Prix front-row starter Oscar Piastri. But it was a bad day for Piastri's fellow rookie, Logan Sargent, whose qualifying ended in the barriers at the final turn without having set a lap, piling yet more pressure onto the uncontracted American. And Alpha Tauri ends the speculation by confirming Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda as its 2024 drivers. But what does that mean for Liam Lawson? To walk us through qualifying day in sensational Suzuka, let's hear now from your host, Chris Medlin. Okay, let's get stuck into qualifying day at Suzuka. And it was a day that started out with news. As I eventually hinted at last night, uh, AlphaTauri announced its lineup for 2024 on Saturday morning, and that lineup is Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo. So the timing was implemented to match up with Yuki Tsunoda's home race, and I believe it was actually meant to be a little bit later on that Ricciardo would have been announced. But in the end, it was all done now. Real show of faith, actually, in Ricciardo after some promising signs from him in his two starts so far since returning to the team mid-season. Obviously, he's still recovering from injury and that leaves a bit of a question mark over the timeline for him returning to race this year. But Ricardo has been talking about taking his time, being patient and having the pressure off from the team. And clearly because they've told him that he will be racing for them in 2024, that's allowed him to genuinely buy into that approach. So that's encouraging for him. Ricardo will also be important for the rebrand of AlphaTauri that's planned for next year. Uh, there's been no confirmation yet of exactly what that rebrand is going to be uh, in terms of what the team will be called. Uh, but realistically, from a marketing point of view, you want Daniel Ricardo to be your face of that. Yuki Tsunoda as well, very recognisable driver now. Uh, so a good pairing to kind of kickstart the new era of AlphaTauri, whatever it may be in 2024. All of that is hard on Liam Lawson, though, if I'm honest. Uh, I think he's performed really, really well. Uh, he's been doing a great job in that car and obviously got his first points in Singapore, uh, which were a real sign of what he can do already. It's not just potential that he has, but he's delivering on it. Uh, as I understand it, Lawson was told last weekend uh, that he wasn't going to be in the seat, so he's been performing well despite that. Uh, and he actually says it's kind of hardened him to the pressure and the challenges by being part of the Red Bull program. So he says the way that the last five years have gone and the kind of way that Red Bull handle these young drivers and, and the way they need to deliver all the time has helped him still execute without overdriving and trying to prove people wrong once he was made aware that he wasn't going to get that seat. So uh, it's in a way 
uh, the, the cutthroat world of Red Bull has paid off because he was ready um, to deal with such a setback and still show what he can do. So both current race drivers had a really encouraging day on Saturday, it must be said. Uh, Sonoda was qualifying ninth and uh, much to the delight of the home crowd. He actually managed to address the home crowd on the podium before FP3. And that was the moment where you just realised the level of support that Sonoda has. Uh, so he got himself ninth on the grid, you know, really executed well, got himself through to Q3. And when the track was open to fans this evening, a number of fans, probably the biggest amount of fans that I noticed, gathered around P9 on the grid rather than any other spot. They wanted a photo with the place that Sonoda will start tomorrow's race, which was very, very cool. For Lawson, he'll be one row directly behind his teammate. He just missed out on Q3 and will start 11th. He was less than half a tenth a second away from a spot in the top 10. Fernando Alonso squeaking through in 10th place. So uh, he's in a good spot as well. And both AlphaTauri drivers might have a shot of points in the race. Any encouragement the rest of the field got from Singapore, however, was quickly wiped out by Max Verstappen, who was in imperious form on Saturday taking pole position. Now, Verstappen admits he was actually fired up by comments following Singapore, suggesting that last week's technical directive aimed at flexible wings and floors could have hurt Red Bull at that point uh, and could carry through to here. Uh, and he was determined to prove it was just a one-off track-specific issue. Now, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, we saw that from FP1. Uh, he was straight on the pace, comfortably quickest from the first lap. And I think he was really keen to get out there and say, this is what this car can do. This is how good this car is. How could you doubt it uh, after the year we've had so far? Which is you know, a fair point if we're, if we're being honest. But he, he certainly did prove everyone wrong and hit back. Uh, that firing up really worked for him because he put together a stunning pole position lap. Uh, it took him over half a second clear of the rest of the field. Uh, and it was a very, very impressive performance because it wasn't a case of the Red Bull being that far clear of the rest of the field either. It was Verstappen doing that because Sergio Perez could only qualify fifth on the grid over three quarters of a second off his teammate. Now, we have seen Perez struggle at times and he didn't seem fully comfortable with the car today, but it was another sign of when Verstappen is really in the groove and it clicks for him at a track where the Red Bull car really is very well suited as well. It does set Red Bull up for the Constructors' title tomorrow. A Verstappen win would rule Ferrari out of contention instantly. And in that case, Mercedes need both cars in the top seven at the very least to have any chance. And that doesn't guarantee them with two top sevens to keep it alive. Given they start seventh and eighth tomorrow, uh, Lewis Hamilton just ahead of George Russell, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So it could well be that Red Bull are celebrating come the chequered flag. There are plenty of permutations though behind them with McLaren best of the rest today starting second and third with Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris respectively and what was really impressive about those two is the McLaren seemed quicker for most of the day at least uh, through the high-speed corners that seemed to be where they had an advantage. George Russell mentioned that at Silverstone it had become clear two of the later high-speed corners in the lap uh, McLaren were taking chunks of time out of Mercedes so they were aware that they weren't going to be able to compete with them this weekend uh, and that's proven true neither McLaren driver improved on their final runs Max Verstappen did went further clear uh, Charles Leclerc did to get fourth on the grid uh, but the McLarens were still safe in second and third Piastri ahead of Norris uh, because of the lap times they'd done on their first run so very very impressive job from them too and that really opens up a chance for Piastri because he will be starting on the front row in a Grand Prix in a quick car with a chance of his first podium it's kind of 
strange to think that he hasn't had one looking at how good McLaren have been since the Austria upgrade they introduced but Piastri's always been a race behind Norris in terms of getting the major upgrades uh, and then when he did start in a position to get on the podium as we saw at Silverstone uh, he was unfortunately hampered by the safety car at that occasion so that stopped him getting the podium there and I think at the time a lot of people thought well he's going to get one the car looks really good he's driving very well and there are a few other opportunities that just slipped away from Piastri so he's not yet picked up a trophy for a Grand Prix he did finish second in the sprint in Spa but he himself has admitted that's not really a podium so he's not counting that one uh, and he wants to get his hands on a, a proper trophy and stand up there in front of his team and Tomorrow will be a really, really good opportunity for him to do that. His biggest threat probably does come from Charles Leclerc, I think, because even if we imagine that Sergio Perez will come through the field to second place uh, and help uh, Red Bull with a 1-2 to secure the championship, which is what they'd love to do at Honda's home race, uh, then there's going to be one more position in third up for grabs. And while the two McLaren drivers will scrap it out, I'm sure, the fact Piastri has a new contract from this weekend, he has the upgraded car, and he's starting ahead, might give him the ability to get the ideal calls on the strategy because normally it's the lead car on track that gets that between teammates. So therefore, the bigger threat from him will come from Leclerc, who is starting fourth alongside Norris and, and could be a bit of a threat. But with the high temperatures expected, I think Ferrari might struggle with tyre degradation. So uh, a lot still to play out, but McLaren's sitting pretty right now. Somebody, it must be said, who is not sitting pretty at the moment is Logan Sargent. Now, Sargent has had a bit of a rough run since the summer break. He went into that feeling like things were starting to click for him and that he was getting a little bit more comfortable with how he has to get the lap time out of the Williams and therefore he thought he could have a strong second half to the season. Now, it's true that he probably has been finding better ways of getting lap time from the car. We've seen him at times closer to Alex Albon than he had been in the first part. He made it through to Q3, you might remember, at Zandvoort, but then crashed in Q3. That sent him back. He then crashed in the race, although that was a hydraulic issue, but another damaging incident there. Uh, Monza, he was trying to get himself into the points. Hadn't had a great time in qualifying because he got set back a little bit uh, by not having the same specification of car that Albon had, and that was partly influenced by those crashes. So he didn't quite have the same pace and ended up missing out on the points just on that occasion. Then we went to Singapore, and he was solid enough compared to Albon, but wasn't quite in the picture for the top 10. Then he crashed during the race. He did continue and finish that race, but he damaged the car then. Well, today, I think you can see where I'm going. Start of Q1. Now, actually, I should frame it with the fact that Sargent had been quicker than Albon in FP3 when both Williams drivers weren't particularly happy with the car, but it, it did show the progress he was making on a circuit he hadn't driven on before in Formula 1. And Sargent went into Q1 and he was completing his first flying lap came out of the chicane, put his foot down for the final corner, had a snap of oversteer as he, as he spun up the rear wheels, had to catch it, and when he did catch it, that pushed him wide. He drifted out onto the grass, through the gravel, and a big hit in the barrier on the outside. The whole left-hand side of the car heavily damaged, and a big, big job for the Williams mechanics to do overnight. Now, you actually saw the reaction in the garage of the Williams mechanics that knew they had that work ahead again, and it really did seem like they were pained and frustrated by it. So the run Sergeant is on really needs to end soon. I've always felt that Sergeant's been quite good at being self-analytical and admitting when he's doing well, but also when he's making mistakes and how he has to iron them out. He said multiple times, it's the little mistakes that are proving costly and that he keeps making them and he has to stop those and he'll be in a good place, but he's yet to stop them. So that's going to be key for him. And realistically, he could just do with a really, really clean race tomorrow. So we'll have to wait and see if he can bounce back when we get the Japanese Grand Prix on Sunday.
Thanks very much to Chris, who's in Japan this weekend, bringing us the latest from the Suzuka Paddock. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Japanese Grand Prix by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts, and you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.